And I shared on this a while back is that we've lost what is right and what is wrong. Okay? Because we have taken God out of the equation of what is right and wrong, and we're the ones determining what is right and wrong, now we have determined that my behavior is right regardless of what you think. And if my behavior is right, then it doesn't matter what you think. Okay? If you believe it's right, then it's right. And we have become the ones who determine what is right and wrong based on how we feel. So besides taking God out of the equation for determining right and wrong, here's what has happened when we have no losers, we have no failure. Okay? And this is the gist of the message. We lose the, the privilege and the blessing of being forgiven. If you're never wrong, there's no need for forgiveness. But see, we haven't thought about that long enough. We've, we've lost the privilege and the blessing, first of all, of being forgiven by God and then being taught how to forgive others. And that's a dangerous place to be. We never go through the process of being forgiven or forgiving others. Because it doesn't matter how you feel. I'm right. And if you don't like it, that's your problem. Not mine. And here's the sad part. At least right now, I don't know how long we're going to have this, but I think it's going to be a while. And again, we've looked at this in the past, and we see things that have happened from uh, back in Isaiah's days, and they changed. So we have to believe that there's going to be a change, but it has to start within us. Um, somewhere down the line, the ones who need to learn how to forgive, which is everybody that I know, if we haven't taught them, sooner or later they're going to need to know how to forgive and they're not going to know how to do it. And that's where we're at right now in society. They don't know how to say, I was wrong. In our political system, the same thing. Both of the parties are right. Nobody's wrong. You know? So if we don't learn the, of the privilege and the blessing of being forgiven by God, and if in our families when we're young, if we don't teach them how to forgive others, then they're going to struggle when they get older. Okay? In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this in verse 17, Matthew 5, 17. You don't have to turn there. It's going to come up. I would prefer you turn to Romans chapter 4, verse 15. Romans 4, 15. I'm going to read Matthew 5, 17. Jesus said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And 
So when Jesus declares this, he's letting us know that the law is valuable. And we're going to see this in just a second, but we have to understand that knowing what is right and knowing what is wrong is valuable in our lives. Romans chapter 4 verse 15 says this, For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. And that's exactly what I'm saying. When we do away with failure, when we do away with what is wrong, when we have done away with sin and defining, and we're the definers of right and wrong and not God, then we take away transgression. People do not even know that they're wrong. And again, if there's no wrong, if there's no sin, there's no need for forgiveness. And that's exactly what this scripture says. Now, the first part of it says, for the law brings wrath. And so I want to explain what that means. That means that biblically speaking, and in the olden days when I was growing up, that when you did wrong, you received wrath. You received just punishment. And that punishment was not to beat you to death, but it was to inflict pain on you to the point where you would come to your senses and you would say, I don't want that pain anymore. And your parents would say, great, I don't want to have to inflict it upon you anymore. And then they would encourage you, if you don't do this, you won't feel pain. And so pain is a motivator for us to change. Pain is a motivator for us to walk away, to turn away from doing wrong and beginning to seek to do what is right. And so God uses pain even in today's society so that it would get our attention, so that we would begin to make the adjustments that we need to make, that we would go back and we would seek after him. We would begin to uh, let him declare what is right and wrong. Because right now, society has determined there is no wrong. And people are okay with that, but their lives are a mess. And this is a very subtle thing that has happened in our society. But it has, it has been developed in that society. It's making its way into the church as well because we are more concerned with what others think about us. We're more concerned with what we think about ourselves than what God's standard of what is right and wrong is. Now, if we haven't figured it out, when we go to heaven, we're not going to be able to say, well, they told me it was okay. That's not going to fly with him. And you're not going to be, if there's nobody else there, you're not going to be able to say, well, I didn't feel like that. That's not going to fly with him. He has a standard of what is right and wrong. And we need to give ourselves to that. When we take away that, then we're messed up. And we need to be more concerned with how we feel standing before God than how we feel. And when we 
have become the ones who determine what is right and wrong, then the scripture says that we are the ones who have become wise in our own eyes. And so let me give you a few scriptures concerning that. And if you don't figure this out, it's not very good. In Proverbs 3, 5, it says this, and we'll go to verse 8. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Verse 7 says, be not wise in your own eyes. Okay, don't be the determiner of what is right and wrong. Instead, this is what we're to do. Fear the Lord, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. What will be healing to your flesh and healing to your To turn away from your own feelings, to turn away from you deciding what is right and wrong, from you turning away from being wise in your own eyes and fearing God and turning from evil. <coughs> Proverbs twelve fifteen. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man will but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 16:2 All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. And we'll talk about that one in, in just a little bit. Actually, we'll see it in practice. Proverbs 21 1 and 2. Proverbs 21, 1 and 2. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Every man, or every way of a man in his own eye, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the heart. And so, we're trying to convince ourselves that we're right, that we don't need God, that we can determine what is right and wrong. We don't have to have any losers. But God weighs our hearts. In Proverbs 16, 2, what we just read, it says, but the Lord weighs the spirit. The Lord weighs the heart. He deals what's going on on the inside of us. If you'll turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. But I'm going to read to you Romans chapter 4, verse 15 again, as you turn to Galatians chapter 3. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. We need God's view of right and wrong. We need laws. We need His boundaries for our lives. And the reason we need them is because they point us to our need for Jesus Christ and our need to be forgiven by Him. Okay? In Galatians chapter 3, verse 23, it says this. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law. Okay, that is what is right and wrong. Imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. And so this seems like it's difficult to understand, but verse 24 is what we're looking at. 
It says, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came. So in other words, the law, what was right and wrong, was our boundaries, our our ditches on each side of the road that we're walking on that will keep us in the middle. Okay? Because we need them to let us know that we're wrong when we're wrong. You're right when you're right, but when you're wrong, you're wrong. And so they were all leading us to Christ. Those boundaries are leading us to Christ because nobody can keep the law. Nobody is going to be able to be perfect in the law. So its intention was, and this is what Scripture said, was to lead us to Christ and the forgiveness that He offers. In Hebrews 9.22, it says this. Hebrews 9.22, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so we need to understand that. But again, if there's no, if we haven't done anything wrong, there's no need for us to receive forgiveness. We see an out of control society where most people are doing their own thing, not concerned with others, just themselves and what they believe that they are doing is right. And they have no need of coming to Jesus and receiving forgiveness. Can you imagine living life without the knowledge of the forgiveness of God for our lives, for the sins that we have committed? And we've all committed them. It doesn't matter. So the law is important because it leads us to Christ. And when it leads us to Christ, it's talking about leading us to the forgiveness that God has for us. Now, I want you to think about this. I'm going to list three people who sinned and yet they forget they found the forgiveness of God and if they hadn't been called out for their sin would they have ever found the forgiveness that God offers the first one is Moses and while he's in Pharaoh's camp and he has risen all the way to the top and the Israelites are there he kills an Egyptian because he's harsh with the Israelites. Then he goes out. Now, Moses, it says, saw God face to face. Do you know that was after he murdered? So he was a murderer, and yet God still used him. How did that happen? Because he found forgiveness. How does it happen in our lives? Even though we may sin, and again, I I want you to know, all failure is not sin. It just means you can't do it right now. But when we sin, God has offered us forgiveness, but if we don't recognize that we've sinned, we'll never receive that forgiveness. I think of Saul, who later became Paul, the apostle, and before he was Saul, he was on a mission We don't know how many Christians he killed doing the will of God. But while he was on his way to do some more killings, God stopped him and God laid the law down on him and he found out that he was wrong. 
And what did he do when he found out that he was wrong? He gave himself to Jesus and he received the forgiveness that Jesus offers. And God used him in a mighty way. So here's another murderer. And God still used him because they found he found the forgiveness of God. And I want you to know when you read his writings, he was so very thankful for the knowledge of the forgiveness of God for his life. He was thrilled with it. He reminds me of another guy named David. Now, if you don't know the story of King David, David as king was an adulterer. He was a deceiver. He lied. And he was a murderer. All in one breath. Okay? But he found the forgiveness of God too. This is amazing to me. If you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. And then if you will begin to make your way to 1 Samuel chapter 13. Because I want you to see this in your Bibles if you have them. Or on your phone, whatever it is. But I think these are incredible scriptures. In Acts chapter 13, we have what's going on. The dialogue of saying what has happened. And in verse 22, we pick it up there. Acts 13, 22. And when he had removed him, speaking of Saul, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, Now, this is when Saul had sinned and God was removing him, but didn't take him off the throne, but just told him, you're not going to be king forever. David's going to be king. Okay. This is the recount of this story. And so he says this. You see it. And then this is what he says. I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. Now I'm going to tell you, David was young at this point. He was out caring for the sheep. They had forgotten about him. This is not after he had become an adulterer. This is not after he tried to deceive and lie and cover it up and then had to commit murder. This is not it. This is way before. And he says that David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart. This is God speaking. A man after my heart who will do my will. Verse 23. And then it says this. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as He promised. Not only did He use Him as King, but He said He is going to bring in the Savior, the Messiah. Isn't that amazing? Now, God says this knowing that David's going to sin, but he says he's a man after my own heart. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, it's found in verse 14. Samuel has to address Saul and he's, because he has sinned. And he says this, 1 Samuel 13, But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people 
because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So he tells Saul, King Saul, you've sinned, you've messed up, but don't worry about it. I have a man who's after my own heart and he's going to step in and he's going to take care of things. Now, how can it be that Saul sins and God rejects him? We know David's going to sin even though he's a man after God's own heart. David is going to sin He's going to do wrong. What's the difference in them? You know what the difference is? Their hearts. Because when Saul was confronted, Saul tried to argue with Samuel. And Saul tried to tell him, no, no, this is for the good. It wasn't. It was disobedience. Samuel called him out on it and Saul argued with him. There was no repentance there. When David, after he had done what he had done, and Uriah was dead, then it says that Nathan the prophet came to confront him. And I don't have it in the, here, but it's uh, 2 Samuel 12, 13. The prophet Nathan confronted him. And you know what David said? This is what David said. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. He didn't argue with him. He didn't try to reason with him. He didn't try to make an excuse. He didn't say, well, I just felt like it. No, what he recognized was that he was wrong. And so David repented quickly. We sang the song, Create in Me a Clean Heart. That comes from Psalm 51, which talks about David's response to the Lord after Nathan confronted him about his sin. And so I want to encourage you. That when God says that David's a man after my own heart who will do all my will, God doesn't demand perfection from us. He's not looking for perfection. But what he's looking for is a heart that says, okay, God, I was wrong. And if I'm wrong, then I want to make it right. I want to receive of your forgiveness. And But when we don't, then we set ourselves up for trouble. And I believe that that's the difference between Saul being rejected by God and David being uh, elevated to king because of his heart, because God knew that he was going to make mistakes, but God also knew that David would repent quickly and he would receive forgiveness quickly. And don't you know, David was rejoicing over the forgiveness that God offered him. Amen. We need God's right and wrong so that when we are wrong, we can turn and receive the forgiveness that God offers. If we are never wrong, we can never receive God's forgiveness. This reminds me of the teaching that people were having where um, they call it the faith days, but they weren't faith. They were crazy days where people would get sick and if you told somebody that you were sick, they would tell you, you can't have that confession. You can't confess that you're sick. And I used to think, well, then how are you going to get healed? The scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that by his stripes we have been healed. And my question is, is if you never acknowledge that you're sick, how are you going to get healed by his stripes? And if we never acknowledge that we're wrong, how are we going to ever receive His forgiveness? 
We have to live in reality. I thank God for His forgiveness for us. As we get ready to receive communion, I, I want us to understand this, that if we're never wrong, we will never know the love and the beauty and the kindness of God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We will never be able to realize the peace and the joy that comes from being freely forgiven. Being able to receive communion like, God, like the Word instructs us, remembering that this forgiveness is a gift from God. It's nothing that we've done. It's nothing that we've earned. It's a gift freely given to us from God. I want to read to you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. It's for us. Everybody say, it's for me. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, if we can, Helen, if you'll come up, I want to pass out the elements. I want you to hold on to them because I have another set of scriptures that I want to read before we take communion. Okay? We're good? All right. You can start playing that song. what you've done how could you fall so far you should be ashamed of yourself so i was ashamed of myself the lies i believed they got some roots they run deep i let them take a hold of my life i let them take control of my life standing in your presence lord i can feel you digging all the up. I feel you healing all my wounds up. All I can say is hallelujah. Look what you've done. Look what you've done in me. You spoke your truth into the lies I let my heart believe. Look at me now. Look how you made me new. The enemy. Suddenly all the shame is gone I thought I was too broken, now I see You were breaking new ground inside of me Standing in your presence, Lord, I can feel you digging all my roots up I feel you healing all my wounds 
Amen. Tasha wrote that. I can't remember her last name right now, but she wrote that. And I don't know Tasha's background, but I know a lady who could have written that song. And I want to read about her in Luke chapter 7. <clears throat> Before I give you this, Jesus gives this story at a Pharisee's house. Pharisee asked him to come over to his house. And so Jesus went over. And the Pharisee did not do what custom says that he was supposed to do. And so we have this now. It says in Luke 7, 41. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which one of them will love him more. Verse 43. Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then, turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, which was customary. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, which was customary. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, which was customary. But she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. So, how much you love God? says a lot about how much you've been forgiven. Verse 48. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You see, she figured out she was wrong. And she came to the person who could make it right. She came to the person by faith because it says, your faith has saved you. So by faith, she was saved. Same is true for us. Isn't it? But if we never know that we're wrong, we'll never know the beauty of communion and the forgiveness and love and everything that goes with it that God offers us. Let's hold the bread before the Lord. Father, we thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. We thank you for towing the line on us and and letting us know that you do 
and you have established right and wrong. And though we haven't been able to keep it, you've offered us the opportunity to be forgiven. And Father, I pray that we're not like King Saul, but we're like King David, that we're a, we're a man and a woman, a child after your own hearts. Which doesn't mean that we have to walk in perfection, but it means that when we're wrong, we admit it and we turn to you and we receive of the forgiveness that you give us. And we're so thankful for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, let's share together. You know this lady singing this song. if you hold the cup up Father again we thank you for this cup we thank you that we do it in remembrance of your brokenness of your willingness to die of your willingness to be the means for us to be saved and be to be forgiven by your blood scripture says that without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sin but Father we thank you that you sent Jesus, and Jesus, we thank you for your willingness to shed your blood for us, that we would be forgiven. And Father, I pray that we would be a people who run to you as fast and as often as necessary to receive of the awesome forgiveness that you offer us and all the beauty that comes with it. In Jesus' name, let's share together. Stand with No telling what God's going to do in our lives. And we're going to be able to say, look what he's done. Because I received his forgiveness. Whoo, hallelujah. If, if that doesn't get you excited, nothing will. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for your love that you have for us. We're so grateful for it. We thank you that sometimes we can doubt it, but you've demonstrated it to us. And Lord, you've told us to remember that demonstration. And so, Father, we do today. We remember your brokenness. We remember your willingness to die for us so that we could be forgiven because you knew that we needed to be forgiven because we can't keep the law. We can't always do right. But, Lord, you've made a way for us. And we're so thankful for it. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that your word, your law, the boundaries that you set in your word, that they led us to Jesus. Oh, Father, be glorified in us. And may it be said of our lives, look what you've done in us.
Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. All right, be blessed, and we'll see you next week.